Hi, this is Jeff Steele. Today we're reading John 15, verses 18 through 27. Jesus says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did. Yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. All right. A lot of hate going on here today. That's encouraging, right? Um, Sometimes it feels like you can tell a lot about a person by who hates them and who loves them, can't you? I mean, it's not completely true because we should be looking to build bridges to even our enemies. I mean, Jesus had a lot to say about the way we treat our enemies, right? And how we're to love them. But he never promised that everyone would love us. Isn't that interesting? He said, love your enemies and do good to those who persecute you. But do you know what he did not say? He didn't follow that up with, and then they will see the error of their ways and they will let you into their circle of friends and teach you their secret handshake. No, that, that part was never promised. What he did promise us is right here in this passage. They hated me, so they're going to hate you too. We underestimate, I think, how much the world hated Jesus. We, in reading the Gospels, Uh, we tend to think of him as this popular guy. He had these big crowds that followed him, right? I mean, yes and no. He was popular in some sense, but also very lonely in others. Big crowds followed him at different times in his ministry, for sure, especially connected to some of his more spectacular miracles. But then at other times, we see Jesus facing a lot of opposition, especially from the religious leaders. So it occurs to me that there's actually two kinds of hatred that Jesus receives in the Bible, right? And it uh, looks different depending on who it's coming from. Now, if you're familiar with the New Testament, you might know that the New Testament divides the world into pretty much two camps, the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Jews were generally the students of the Old Testament. They were the followers of God. The Gentiles, generally speaking, again, followed the pagan or the Roman gods. Uh, These were the generally secular world around all of the Jewish religious people. Yes, they did have religion. They worshiped at various temples and shrines, but their religion was more a product of culture than anything else. So when it comes to the Gentiles, when it comes to what we would think of as regular lost people in the world, we actually don't have a ton of examples in the Gospels about them. Jesus mostly stuck to his Jewish roots. The Bible doesn't really turn to the Gentiles until after Jesus' death and resurrection. So it makes sense that that's the context that Jesus spent most of his time in. What we see in the Gospels from lost people is they actually they actually tend to love Jesus. He eats and drinks with sinners. And they seem to respond to his teaching and miracles. But 
Later in the New Testament, we definitely see Jesus' words applied to the lost world. We see people who hate the message of Jesus and they hate his disciples. To some, Jesus' way represents a threat to their way of life or a foreign interference in their affairs. They don't like Jesus challenging the status quo of their lives. And that makes sense to us, right? Probably you could think of some people in your life who don't consider themselves religious and they resent the influence of religion in their lives. They're almost hostile to the very idea of Jesus. Jesus said, we shouldn't be surprised by that. But there was another group of people who hated Jesus, and this was the group that opposed him pretty much throughout the Gospels. These were the religious people. Isn't it interesting that you can take a person set in their ways and tell them about Jesus, but if you take a religious person who is set in their ways and tell them about Jesus, well, that conversation just got a whole lot more interesting, didn't it? The religious leaders, they were those who had the most to lose. They were those who were so set in your ways. They were the ones who actually should have received Jesus with open arms. After all, their entire Old Testament pointed to Jesus, and they should have been the first in line to welcome him. But they were the ones who openly opposed Jesus the most, and they were the ones who eventually conspired to kill him. Sometimes the ones you think are going to be your allies end up being your biggest opponents. And Jesus said, don't be surprised. Why? Because we're called to follow Jesus and because the world hated Jesus. So every time you put Jesus first, there are lost people and there are religious people who will say, why did you do that? That makes no sense. Every time you choose love over hate, you are living contrary to the generally accepted laws of culture. And it is hard for people to tolerate someone who follows Jesus in that way. It's too convicting. It's so much easier to believe, oh, well, we all do that, right? Jealousy and revenge. I mean, that's just the way of the world. That's how life is. But suddenly a Jesus follower says, no, there's actually another way. And, and that person lives it out. Well, now that's a threat to the way I believe the world works. And who do you think you are anyway? Are you better than us? It's funny, you know, they said the same thing to Jesus. They said, who do you think you are? Do you think you're even greater than our ancestors? So what are we going to do with Jesus? Are we going to dress him up and make him more acceptable to our culture? You know, sometimes I think that we get lost in this idea that, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be Jesus's PR manager. I got to make him look good and look acceptable to the world. Jesus said, the world hates me and it's going to hate you too. So what do we do? Well, he says at the end, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth and, and he's going to testify about me and Here's your part. You must also testify about me because you have been with me. Your job is to testify about Jesus because you have been with Jesus. Jesus said he's the one who draws people to himself, not you. And so in some ways that takes the pressure off a little bit, doesn't it? It's not your job to convince people to like Jesus. Even uh, in a, in a ministry context or as a pastor, you know, it's not, it's not my job to convince you to like Jesus. It's not my job to make Jesus look good to you so that I'm not a sales guy and so that you want that. Our job is to testify about Jesus because we 
are with him. Our job is to be there along the way while Jesus draws people to himself. Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father unless I draw him, right? Not unless you draw him or I draw him or, or we come up with a great marketing campaign, no. Jesus draws people to himself, not us. Our job is just to be there along the way. So, how about you? Is there somebody in your life that needs to hear from you? And maybe they'll accept it. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll reject it. Maybe they'll even be angry. I don't know. But this is what Jesus said. You must testify about me because you have been with me. So how about you? Are you with Jesus? Can you testify about it to someone? Let's pray. God, would you call us to follow you? Um, I mean, you have called us to follow you. Would you help us to see uh, how to take next steps uh, in following you today because, because you're with us and because we want to live our lives with you and understanding that the outcome of that is totally out of our hands. People might love it. They might hate it. I don't know. They might accept you. They might reject us. Um, but God, our part is to follow and leave the, <laughs> the love and the hate uh, response, leave that up to you. So God, give us the courage, give us the boldness to follow you today through whatever you bring in your name. Amen. Have a great day.